0: morning, we have heard two stories about men with leprosy. The story about Naaman in Second Kings is a rather winding story with plenty of intrigue. A very powerful military officer is afflicted by a disease that he of all people, given his privilege, should not have to suffer. His once hope-filled future is now very, very bleak until he finally gets the help that he needs to move toward healing from some very unlikely sources. From a young foreign girl who was captured in a military raid, who is now his wife's servant. From a prophet of an enemy nation who won't even come out to greet him and from his subordinates, people that he usually gives orders to, who finally persuade him to take the prophet's strange counsel to heart. There's plenty to chew on in this story. In contrast, Mark's account of a man with leprosy is short. It's very succinct. It's to the point. A man is sick. He meets Jesus. He's healed. End of story. No complications. It's as simple as that. Or is it? I thought so until I started digging into the story. And as I did, I found that the story is much more complex and probably much more interesting than I had originally thought. I found myself particularly intrigued by Jesus' emotional responses within the story. And there are a number. First, when approached by this man with leprosy, Jesus is moved. We read that in verse 41. Jesus is moved. By what? We're not entirely sure. The New Revised Standard Version and the New International Version have Jesus being moved by pity or by compassion. But there are other early Greek manuscripts that report Jesus not being moved with pity, but by anger. In fact, today's New International Version bases its translation on these manuscripts so that in this version, instead of reading Jesus was moved with pity, we read Jesus was indignant. There's quite a difference there. Then, after Jesus heals the man, we read in verse 43 that he issues the man a stern warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. Now, you'll note that Jesus here is not making a polite request. He's not saying, would you please be sure you don't tell anybody? It's, please, do not tell anyone. And the text tells us that he is giving this man a very very strong warning. Then, after issuing this warning, Jesus sends this man away at once. And in Greek the rendering is even more forceful. It says literally if you go to the Greek and translate it, Jesus sends him out he drives him out. Jesus drives him out. So what are we to make of all this? This actually doesn't seem to be A nice, warm, fuzzy, healing story. It's got some grit to it. There seems to be some kind of undercurrent here running through it that gives it an edge. And the task for us as readers and interpreters of this story is to try to understand what that undercurrent might be. Well, let's begin with this man identified as the leper. This disease has so consumed him that it has become a part of his identity. He's not described as a man with leprosy. He is identified as a leper. That is who he is. Now, this disease that we know today as leprosy, Hansen's disease, was actually quite rare in Bible times. When the Bible talks about leprosy, it seems to be generally referring to any number of scaly skin diseases that may or may not have actually been contagious. In many cases, worse than the physical effects of the disease uh, were the restrictions and the social stigma placed on those who had it. Leviticus 13 to 14 outlines in great detail all the regulations concerning those with leprous skin conditions. Talks about how to make a diagnosis and no it's not a medical manual but it tells how you make a diagnosis. It talks about who has the authority to pronounce someone clean or unclean. Talks about how one with a disease was to be handled by the community so that the community could stay clean and free of contagion. Specifically, in verses 45 and 46 of Leviticus 13, we read about the restrictions imposed on those diagnosed with a leprous skin disease. Anyone, and here I'm quoting, anyone with a leprous disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, and cry, cry, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Unfortunately, fear of this disease, fear of both physical and ritual contagion, resulted in an elaborate set of rules that isolated a person with leprosy from his or her family, from society in general, and from the community of faith. This is the reality for the afflicted man in this morning's story in Mark. He knows the restrictions that bind him. He lives with them every day. Yet on this day, he dares to break free, if only for a moment, to approach Jesus he comes near to him he risks passing his illness on to Jesus he risks making Jesus ritually unclean he takes this bold step because he wants to be healed and he makes this request known to Jesus through a simple statement If you choose, you can make me clean. Note the question embedded in this statement is not, can you heal me? It's are you willing to heal me? This then is the moment when we catch a glimpse of Jesus being moved with strong emotion by pity. By compassion or by anger. Maybe it's not an either or. Maybe it's all of the above. Because what Jesus sees at this moment is a man suffering not only from a physical malady, but from a religious system that punishes him because of it. And then in the next phrase, we see where this strong emotion moves Jesus it moves him to touch the man. Now, it's probably hard for us to grasp the significance of this action. In touching this man, Jesus, the rabbi who knows the law of Leviticus inside and out, disregards it and makes himself ritually unclean. He chooses to reach out in compassion rather than to back away in fear. And through that bold touch of compassion, the man with a leprous disease is healed. The touch that should have spread contagion causes this man with leprosy to become clean. Now, it would be easier if the story just ended here, but it doesn't. And it can't, because this man's healing isn't complete. His body may now be well, but in order to be restored to his community, in order to be reintegrated into society, a priest must verify that he is truly clean. And so Jesus sends the man off to the priest of the faith community to be examined and also for the man to offer a sacrifice so that he might be officially declared clean. And we've noted that Jesus sends him off with some intensity. He drives him out, perhaps with holy anger, not at the man but at the system that has kept him in bondage for who knows how long. A system that divided the world into insiders and outsiders, pure and impure, clean and unclean, and forbade contact between the two for the sake of purity, for the sake of keeping the community clean and free from contamination. So while Jesus sends this man to the priest so that he can be restored to the community, Jesus also sends him back with an implicit message, with a testimony to the powers that be. This isn't right. The kingdom of God which is at hand, which Jesus had come to proclaim, isn't about sorting and separating clean from unclean. It is about opening the way for everyone to be made clean this intensity of conviction may be what's behind Jesus' instruction to tell no one what has happened. It's as if he's saying go directly to the priest with this important message and don't get distracted along the way. Or maybe Jesus is simply concerned that spreading the word will fan the flames of his popularity in a way that will hinder what he's really trying to accomplish. Whatever Jesus' concern, this man who owes Jesus his very life does not heed Jesus' warning. Now, instead of going directly to the priest and saying nothing to anyone along the way, this man proceeds to tell everyone he sees about what Jesus has done for him. He proclaims it freely, and the news spreads like wildfire. And I imagine that it causes quite a stir. Some people are now even more eager to find him and follow him with the hope of being healed. Others are left wondering about who this Jesus is and what does it mean that, that he touches lepers and, and who gives him the authority, what gives him the authority to do these things? And as a result, Jesus can no longer enter a town openly. Too many people, too much stirring, too much controversy so he retreats to the countryside to a lonely place but even there people still come to him from everywhere and this morning we come to him we come to Jesus from everywhere perhaps from places of skepticism I mean is this really an accurate portrayal of Jesus moved by passion and maybe even anger? Is this the Jesus we are called to emulate, to follow? Is touching lepers really God's will and God's way? Others of us hear the story and we hope against hope that this is indeed so. Because we like the man with leprosy, carry wounds that cry out for healing. Unlike the leprous man who was forced to publicly display his affliction with torn clothes and unkempt hair and his cry of, unclean, unclean, our wounds are often hidden, masked by nice smiles and pleasant small talk and covered by a cloak of secrecy. We alone know what it is that we carry. Scars from abuse, the bondage of addiction, secrets about sexual orientation, the stigma of mental illness, the deep pain of a failed marriage, the heartache of a son or a daughter gone astray. We carry these burdens wherever we go. And I imagine that quite a number of us here have brought them with us to church this morning. And we sit here, and we sing, and we pray, and we listen. And we wonder if people really knew what I carry, If people really knew all that I brought with me this morning, would I still be welcome? Would there still be a place for me here? Or would I be judged unclean? Now I know that many of us throughout the listening process expressed that East Chestnut Street Church feels like a safe place to be fully human and to share these burdens with each other, and I am really glad about that. But I think that we do have reason to wonder, because like the faith community of Jesus' time, the church that we know today, and I'm not speaking just of this congregation, but the larger church, has often seemed more concerned with determining who's clean and who's unclean than providing a space for all of us to come clean and to become clean. But here's the invitation that I hear from Jesus this morning. It's an invitation for the church to a place, to be a place where we all can gather as lepers, where we together can bring our wounds before Jesus, where we can bear all before Jesus, and with a man with leprosy say If you choose, you can make me clean. It's then, and perhaps only then, that we can hear the response that is always, always waiting for us. I do choose. I do choose. Be made clean.